Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Come on, Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 132 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. We got a heater of a show for everybody today. Excited to jump into it, and we'll start the same way we do every week. That's by jumping straight into the breakdown. The breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. Go ahead and start off the breakdown talking about the American Raptors. Uh, really, there's only one piece of news this week. The biggest news out of the American Raptors this week is that uh, Director of Rugby Mark Bullock, General Manager Peter Pask were invited to the National Scouting Combine in Indianapolis this week uh, to put some football players through some rugby drills and ultimately recruit people to the program. So this happens at the same time as the NFL draft. Um, it's the people that don't get invited to the NFL draft get to go to the Scouting Combine. You know, I, I retweeted a video yesterday off the DNVR rugby account. Uh, shows Mark Polk putting him through some scrum drills. But I think that's kind of a, a pretty cool opportunity, a pretty cool, you know, resource to have the National Scouting Combine on your side, uh, helping you, uh, you know, get guys into to professional rugby, make the transition to rugby. I'm looking forward to chatting with Mark when he gets back in town so I can get the lowdown on, on what the week looked like because I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if any other rugby teams had that you know, representation at one of these combines. So looking forward to hearing about how all of that went. Um, but other than that, just, again, pretty standard week, just standard training. Uh, keep, you know, going through this grind before the matches start here in a couple of weeks. Again, expect to see a schedule here soon. Uh, that that kind of does it for the American Raptors news, though. I'm going to transition into the MLR. There's two pieces of MLR news I wanted to touch on this week, and the first one comes from uh, Old Glory DC. So if you read my grab bag on Monday, I had a little segment on black eyes. Um, and, and this piece of news revolves around Old Glory DC. Eight-man Jameson Anana Schultz has been suspended for five matches for punching Lucas Rumble in the face. Uh, it was bad. Lucas Rumble's eyes completely swollen shut. He didn't go back into the game. So I was glad to see some sort of punishment come out of that because it's completely uncalled for. You can't do that. Um, I was going to keep my eye on the on the disciplinary wire like a lot of other people this week, and that news came down on Wednesday. So uh, I, th- I believe I've seen floating around somewhere. It could be from a friend of the program, James DeLay, from MLR Stats, that that's the longest punishment 
dished out to somebody um, in the history of MLR. could be wrong. I think a couple other guys that probably gave uh, Jameson a run for his money there in terms of suspensions, but uh, I think I saw that floating around this week. The other piece of news I want to talk about comes out of Utah. Utah Warriors agreed to uh, four NIL deals with college football players. I think three went to BYU and one went to University of Utah or something like that. Um, they're essentially paying these guys from you know these football programs to be marketers for the team. Like they're doing, they're operating it in a way that you know you buy a ticket to this game, you can come meet these four football players. You know, football, college football, especially, is pretty big in Utah. So it's kind of cool. It's a first deal of its kind, you know, in terms of an MLR team or a rugby team, you know, paying a college athlete to come do something. And it's funny because I was just talking to somebody the other day about how this NIL stuff could change what the American Raptors are doing. And I, I was having a hard time figuring out, you know, how it kind of relates to it in that because they made good points. Like you look at the backup quarterback at Alabama, that guy's making like 800 grand a year just by being the backup quarterback at Alabama. Like why would he come play? rugby when the pay is that much less and I was like yeah but I don't I don't I don't know I don't think that playing rugby is gonna hurt right like you can still do the stuff you're doing while you're playing rugby I don't think those deals have you know change but this is the first one I've seen of a rugby team actually paying the athletes to do something I was in I, I thought it would come sooner or later um, but it's it's cool to see Utah do that because they're kind of blazing a new trail so I would not be surprised to see other programs follow suit um, but they're essentially just paying for marketing. Like, it's not unlike, you know, paying somebody to do marketing for you. So, interesting idea. Um, I'll be interested to see how it works, if it works, what kind of the return is on that for them. Uh, but I wanted to make sure I talked about that because it was something that caught my eye. That does for the breakdowns. We'll go ahead and jump into All the Rugby You Can Watch This Weekend. All the Rugby You Can Watch This Weekend is brought to you by Wintergreen. Wintergreen loves rugby and wants to support USA Rugby's mission of uniting an inclusive, passionate rugby community to grow the sport of rugby in America. Wintergreen gels, creams, sprays, and soaks with wintergreen oil and other therapeutic natural oils helps to soothe and support sore muscles and joints to keep you at your best. Visit wintergreensport.com to purchase the products you need to help you prepare to win. I got to say, I've been made aware of wintergreen um, the last six or seven months or so, um, and I really do like it. Like, like most people this new year, you know, my New Year's resolution, get moving a little bit more. I've done a good job sticking to my goals thus far. Uh, unless last weekend found myself feeling a little bit sore, you know, after a week of moving around. Decided to use the wintergreen magnesium soak for, you know, about 30, 40 minutes on Sunday. Felt great. I was, I was surprised how great my legs felt on Monday. Couldn't recommend it enough. I recommend you check it out at wintergreensport.com. So we're going to jump into the, all the rugby you can watch this weekend now, starting off with a Major League Rugby Round 5 uh, we got some Friday matches again, or one Friday match at least. We got Nola Gold at the Seattle Seawolves on Friday at 8:30 p.m. on Fox Sports 2. On Saturday, we have the Dallas Jackals at the Utah Warriors at noon on the Rugby Network. Houston Sabercats at Rugby ATL on Saturday at 1 p.m. Um, LA Giltinis versus Austin Gilgronies, the Gil Bowl, the Cousins battling it out on Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, that one is also on the rugby. All, all the rest of them are on the rugby network. I'll just get out ahead of that and say that. Uh, we got the New England Free Jacks at the uh, Rugby New York on Sunday at 1 p.m. Um, and then we got Old Glory DC uh, at San Diego Legion on Sunday at 5 p.m. Again, you can catch all of those besides the Friday night match on the rugby network. Friday one's on Fox Sports 2. I'm going to go out and say it again. I talked about it in my grab bag. I'm a believer in Austin. I think Austin 
head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Obviously, this weekend against L.A. is going to be a big one. Uh, but I, I'm on the Austin Gilgroni train this year. They look really good. We'll go ahead and move into the premiership now. Uh, we've got the Harlequins versus Newcastle Falcons on Friday at 12.45 p.m. We've got Bath versus Bristol Bears, Saracens versus Leicester Tigers, Gloucester versus Northampton Saints, London Irish versus Worcester Warriors. All of those matches are on Saturday at 8 a.m. Then we've got Exeter Chiefs versus Sale Sharks on Sunday at 8 a.m. You can catch all of those matches on Peacock. Allianz Premier 15 is up next. We've got Wasps FC Ladies versus Harlequins Women on Saturday at 5.30 a.m. We've got Bristol Bears Women versus Labrio Lightning and Exeter Chiefs Women versus DMP Durham Sharks both on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Gloucester Harpery Women's RFC versus Worcester Warriors Women on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. And then Saracens Women versus Sale Sharks Women on Sunday at 7 a.m. Catch those matches on Premier15s.com. And then rounding out the weekend, we got Super Rugby Round 3. Moana Pacifica, friend of the program, Sam Slade. That's the team he's placed for. They're thurs uh, they are taking on the Crusaders Thursday. So, uh, you know, it's going to be after the fact by the time you hear this at 11.05 p.m. Uh, we got the Fijian Drua versus the Rebels on Friday at 1.45 a.m., Another match will likely be in the books by the time you listen to this. We've got the Force versus the Reds on Friday at 4 a.m. Another one. It's going to be over before you listen to this. Blues versus Chiefs on Friday at 8.35 p.m. Prime slot. Love that slot. Hurricanes versus Highlanders on Friday at 11.05 p.m. Uh, and then to round out the weekend, we have the Brumbies versus the Waratahs on Saturday at 1.45 a.m. Catch all of those matches on Flow Rugby. Again, say it every week. Love watching Super Rugby. Um, it's been great. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. This interview with Alan Dimmick of Rugby World is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouthguard revolution with American-made mouthguards that perform, protect, and recover. For more information, visit guardlab.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome conversation with Alan Dimmick of Rugby World. If you remember, Alan wrote a piece about the American Raptors about a month ago, um, just talking about the idea behind the program, and he dug a little bit deeper into it. And I really enjoyed it. So I reached out to him and I asked him, you know, if you'd be willing to t come on and talk about uh, the American Raptors program, what he what he kind of thinks of it, and then turned into just an hour-long discussion about crossover athletes. So he's covered crossover athletes pretty extensively, wrote some interesting stuff on how rugby athletes are crossing over into the world of professional wrestling, um, also done quite a bit of stuff on the NFL as well. So really enjoyed the conversation, thought it was super interesting. Could have chatted with Alan all day. I said that about 100 times on the podcast, and I meant it with that introduction. I hope everybody enjoys this conversation with Rugby World Features Editor, Alan Dimmick. All right, now we welcome on a very special guest to the program. Uh, we have Alan Dimmick, who's the Features Editor at Rugby World. Uh, Alan, how's it going, man? I'm good, Colton. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I'm excited to do this because you, you you've... You know, just reading some of your work, you, you wrote a piece on the American Raptors, which I'll ask you about in a little bit. Um, but I think you you and I are probably like the, the people that have covered crossover athletes the most uh, in the last two years. So <laughs> it'll be fun to talk about it. Uh, Absolutely. So, so, you know, like I just mentioned, the reason I had you on, uh, you wrote a piece on the American Raptors entitled uh, American Raptors uh, and the Hunt for Crossover Rugby Stars. That was about a month ago. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about it. So I guess the first one is just how did you learn about the American Raptors program? Well, I suppose going back a couple of years, there's, there's always been a massive preoccupation about rugby in the States. Um, in Over here in the UK, um, 
I'd always find it quite lazy the way we threw around comments like Sleeping Giant. Whenever, no one ever really got any details about it. So they were always saying, um, Yo, imagine if we get all these American football stars that come over and like they'll be the best team in the world. And no one ever, I wouldn't say it was lazy, but it was just, it was a nice easy thing to go, you know, we'd watch the Rugby World Cup, we'd see how the, the Eagles would do and then they'd go, why are these guys not better? So over the, over the last few years, I've made it a point of trying to travel to the States as often as possible and speak to people in the States about the this, well, I suppose this only happened a couple of days ago, so it's a weird phrase to use, but the State of the Union. Yeah. And, um, the, and just tracking over, it was always fascinating to see when professional rugby came in as pro rugby and Denver was a big part of that mm-hmm. in the beginning and obviously that fell apart and then we have the second iteration of professional rugby in the States. And, you know, Glendale was a part of that for a period. And then when it all fell apart, you know, people's livelihoods were, were out the window. And I, I, I tried to keep track of it, but it was one of those things that was ticking over. And then I just happened to come across, stumble across something. And, I, you know, you know how it works. You, you fire out emails to people. You say, can I find out more about this? And someone at the project just said, Absolutely, I'll talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just interesting to see what happened because in my ignorance over here in the UK, I, I just thought, well, there's no more professional rugby in uh, in, in that part of the world. Uh, that'll be that then. But yeah. of course, I hadn't, I hadn't seen the Rugby Town documentary, which suddenly people have been talking to me about, and I was completely oblivious to that for my sins. And... So it was just fascinating just diving back in and going, oh, wait, there's still something going on there. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. And then once you open up that door, then someone says, actually, our dream of Professor Rugby isn't completely gone. We'd maybe look at uh, different leagues around the world that are outside of the States. And I was like, wow, okay. So maybe this is one to keep track of yeah. going forward. Yeah, I think you're certainly not alone because even you know, with me, this whole podcast, this whole you know endeavor – started at the beginning of 2020 and so you know with the idea of covering the mlr team here in denver um and that lasted yeah. about two months three months i think was when <laughs> when everything kind of you know from covid and then trying to cover you know okay mlr's taking a break for a week or for a month with covid that only lasted a week before I saw the writing on the wall that nothing was going to be able to happen and then you know yeah. a couple weeks later it was like okay this is looking like this is done but you know as you spend more time around it they're like well we're done in the MLR, but like our, our intentions here are the same. Like we want to grow rugby in the United States. We want to try to do something different, develop American rugby. And this is kind of what it's turned into. So um, I have had a pretty unique view because I've been here since the beginning. I was here through all of COVID, of course. And then now I've got to see this program, you know, from the summer of 2020 until uh, now really take off. So and I'm glad to see, you know, kind of making a little bit of waves and you writing about it. Um, so I want to, I'm glad, to, like I said, I'm glad to get you on and talk a little bit more about it. So I guess just kind of what's your overall thoughts, you know, on the idea behind this program? Like, like you said, you've dug into it a little bit now, um, and I'm sure you you have a, a few thoughts, right? Well, it's mainly intrigue for me still, and it will be continuing intrigue because it, it's rare to come at what is a professional endeavor where, with the best will in the world, if things go really well you could just be a really well-run feeder team for, yeah. for lots of other groups. And it's, I suppose that's quite a unique thing because, uh, you know, from what I understand as the ignoramus from the other side of the pond, 
you know, it, it'd be quite a rare thing in, a, in American sports to say that. And, and obviously they've said that this is not, they would love to keep hold of as many players as possible and be able to give them a good living. But part of the proviso is, is if you come and play with us, we will help you make a living in rugby. And if there's a good opportunity somewhere else, absolutely crack on. And so it's great. It's, it's fascinating to see some of the guys that have already gone on to join MLR franchises and, you know, forge ways or, or play for the sevens, um, outfit and we're hoping to see as a sevens fan i'm hoping to see more and more of that going mm-hmm. uh, going forward but it's 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 quite a unique thing and it's it's not that i'm skeptical about it it's just i honestly don't know what to expect yeah from, from a project like that so it's a case of look and see and it's there's there's nothing that i could compare it to here in what you what would call tier one rugby nations in that there are teams that will that will help develop, and there's a there's a I don't want to get into it, but there's a whole big <laughs> thing going on in 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 England at the moment where uh, promotion and relegation. There was never going to be any relegation from the Premiership, but now there's going to be no promotion into it uh, this year, and the teams are appealing that. But the Championship had developed some rugby players, but that was a fairly established pathway within a competitive system where teams can go up and down. In US sports, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. And if you know, if if that's a thing that people say long term, great. And if the Eagles get behind it and say this is something that we want to help fund, or if they compete in other, it's just fascinating because it'll be great to see. It'd be it, the really interesting thing is when you reach the fork in the road, and there's an opportunity to maybe join uh, Slar and play against teams in South America, for example. Does that then become a viable option for a team that's stacked almost exclusively with with crossover athletes, mm-hmm. or do those guys still want to play in MLR? Will MLR continue to to grow? Will it grow at the same rate right. as Slar? It's just really interesting to see where it goes, and it's one of those things where this is almost a dirty thing to say as a journalist, but it's it's great to not know. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's that's what the fun is 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 finding out and, and keeping track of something like this. Yeah, and you, I, you know, it's, I'd I'd love to know what your experience is from from your point of view watching that because there are so many unknowns yeah no i agree and that's i was gonna say like i agree with a lot that you said because you know even just being around it i think that's kind of how it's you know how it's operating is like we we're not even entirely sure what's gonna happen uh let's do well you know let's try it and we'll see and and when when the whole idea of the program was announced i talked to you know director of rugby mark bulk on this podcast and i asked him like you know, I was just like trying to like kind of asking the same questions you were like, explain to me how, you know, this is going to work and that stuff. And he was like, you got to look at it like a science experiment, right? You, you do the experiment, you do, you take the, the test, you do all this stuff, you see what works, you see what doesn't, and you make adjustments. Like nothing's in its final form. And it's like you said, um, they don't even think it's in its final form. Uh, and just they're kind of like they're just doing it. They're just getting guys together and see if they can play rugby and win a couple of matches and kind of see where it takes them. And, um, you know, it's it's worked out so far. I think they have 11 guys in the MLR, uh, two more guys. And one guy on the sevens tour right now is another one, Sean yeah. Clark. He just got invited to the high performance camp that's taking place in Chula Vista here in a couple of weeks. So um, I was going to ask you this is like what in your opinion, like what makes it a success? Um. Well, uh, success is, it's all relative, isn't it? Because yeah, for sure. Success for rugby in the States would be tangible progress in a Rugby World Cup, for mm-hmm. example, or a title on the Sevens World Series. So I suppose from that point of view, 
teams that are seen to be improving at the highest level uh, under the banner of the Eagles, um, if any of the guys come through that and play a starring role, then instantly everyone's got a piece of that success story, don't they? Yeah. And But also that means that you can show someone, you can show a crossover athlete, maybe a high, and this is not to play down anyone that's been come through the program, yeah. but potentially a higher caliber of crossover athlete that their success is, it's, it's worth the blood, sweat and tears. And this is the thing that in all stories that we cover with crossover athletes is, and I always stress this as much as possible when I speak to people, it's I'm not writing about this to sell someone a dream. I'm writing about this to give people the reality of what it's genuinely like to cross over. And so, for example, we sent the magazine to press two days ago and in it, we did a piece about um, crossover athletes to the NFL and mm -hmm. the international player pathway that they've got. And I spoke to several rugby guys that have I've been on NFL practice squads or in, in the case of Hayden Smith, someone had actually taken some snaps in the NFL in one season. And the underlying thing is, is Christian Wade was a phenomenal rugby player. He's, he's not play, he's not taking a snap at the elite level because this is really hard to crack. Now, listeners stateside might hear me say that and go well yeah duh it's the nfl of course but it's for someone to make a tangible success on the, the world rugby stage um you know surely that's that, that's not a cakewalk mm -hmm. and so if we can show anyone that's able to achieve that and say they've come through this system this system works then for me that would be not only success, but something that you can bank on and show to other people and hopefully get a process. And realistically, that's what, what everyone's hoping for is that a production line of superb rugby players in the States is is what we'd all, we'd all be hoping for. Because it's, it's fantastic when you see uh, players from the, the States come over come over here and make, make a success of it. And we've, we've seen it several times and those guys have done incredibly well on, on the test stage. But I'm imagining, and this is just me assuming, and, and you can give me your view on it, is is surely what everyone wants is to have success stories that are homegrown and also stay homegrown, if right. that makes sense. I've, I've phrased that terribly, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying, and I think that's true to an extent. I still think, you know, I had, I talked to Paul Emmerich, who's the new head coach a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, like, you know, in the short term, I asked him, like, so what, what's, like, because it's, they are in an interesting spot where they're not in a competition. So I asked him kind of the same question as like, what does kind of success look like to you? And he was saying like, you know, if I think if we get some guys in here and we, we start turning out guys to, you know, MLR teams, of course, but even like sending guys overseas, I think that's like success. Yeah, no, that's go, fair. Yeah, they play bigger, you know, better competition. They play more rugby. Uh, they play a higher caliber of rugby. And then they come back well, and contribute to the national team. He's like, that's that's kind of the yeah, that's you know, that's kind sorry, of what Paul said to sorry, me. Sorry to jump in there, but I think oh, the key word that you use there is playing. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke to spoke to fellas at the Raptors, one of the things he said is it's it's in no one's interest for someone to go to a different country and hold tackle bags every week. Yeah. Um and, and not play anything. So it's that that I suppose that you're right, actually. I'll hold my hands up there. That's, that's a very, very good point, is is guys just making a success somewhere. So I suppose I'm thinking 15 years down the line, yeah. it'd be good to have the MLR as one of the, the, the biggest, or if there's a third iteration, if we have to go to a third iteration, <laughs> whatever the future holds. Yeah, who knows? And, <laughs> who, yeah, who knows? Um, that eventually when we, we get to a spot where people around the world are watching 
rugby in the States and going, that's the top league and these guys are producing and, and playing uh, some of the best rugby players in the world. But you're right. If, if any of these guys can come over and play consistently, then what a boon that would be because it would be, you know, it's, it, it, it's great. And this is horrific, but it's just the, just the truth is, is guys winning MLR titles or competing in the playoffs in the MLR is superb. And in isolation, just great story, like fantastic stories for someone to cross over or learn the sport yeah. uh, uh, in, in such a fledgling way. But it's not going to send huge ripples through world rugby, whereas actually right, right, right. you'd hope, hopefully a few years down the line that we're, we're talking about these guys being massive successes. No, and I think everything you've said is fair. And like from my perspective too, and I guess just everything you know, over here is like when the program launched in January 2021, like officially this is – you know, this is our 30 guys that we're going to try to cross over for the first time. We got, we're going to play 10 matches. We're going to see what happens. Like, just the reaction yeah. to that. This is, I guess, why I, looking at it now, and like you said, it's all relative. Like, looking at it from my perspective, you know, the comments from the, that, you know, the release of those first 30 guys was like, these maybe two people make it to the MLR or whatever, you know. The, the yeah. expectations from kind of the rugby community in this country were so low that it seems like now it's certainly now like it's it's exceeded them and you see people kind of change yeah. their tune a little bit and be like oh well you know maybe teams should really actually look into more of like this model as a way you know as a as just another avenue another pathway to get these guys onto their team like and that's kind of been where you know talking to Mark Bullock and stuff from the beginning is what I agree with I don't think anybody you know at, at the American Raptors is saying this is the only way, this is how we're doing it, this is the way it's done, this is the new way. But it can all work together, right? Like get, if you have a, a stream coming from over here from the, you know, the NFL and the Division One colleges and you have your, your standard youth programs and you have the, you know, the, the normal guys that have been playing rugby in this country for 20 years coming up through, like I think it, it, it's just another avenue that it can all work together. Um, and this is just kind of the time. There's a lot of let's see, you know, put the money, put your money where your mouth is. The proofs in the pudding, all that, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like in in the short term, um, just from my point of view, I'm like I, I would say it is successful because too, you think there's guys in this that have never played rugby before that know rugby now. Excuse me, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, no, I was just gonna say I, I love hearing stuff like that because I genuinely, and I, I don't think you get many people in my first saying this. I love being proven wrong or yeah, or something coming up that I don't expect. So. I don't know. There's something quite nice about the idea of people going, "Well, this will never work," and then going, "Well, eleven blokes have just gone yeah. over to the MLR." So, uh, what fascinates me, and again, it's it's worth seeing. What I'm interested to see what the long term application of this is is the idea of guys going and joining MLR rosters and then coming back to the Raptors because the season is so short and doing tours with that. I wonder how sustainable that is. I wonder if in three years' time we'll be talking about the same thing, or whether that's just because there's not because it's such a, a new concept is the the turnover of people isn't that high, mm. high enough yet to sustain letting people go away forever and, and good luck but by, by the same token i suppose that's one of the interesting things about the mlr because for example i did a uh, did a piece where um tom mitchell who's captain of team gb7s who signed for the la guiltinis uh, he's not quite fit yet but I asked him if that was sevens for him and he said, I'm not done yet. And one of the good things about MLR is if when I do eventually get to play in the competition, the club understand and, and 
the LA Guillotine has just got enough her- Seven's heritage and the management there to, mm. to know that it's important that he, he has the opportunity to go away and play once the season's done within his two-year contract. So there's there's leeway to do that. So uh, there's flexibility within the league itself. But I'd be interested to see if that's what should be, if that's what will happen with the Raptors in, in three years' time, four years' time. Yeah, and I agree. And I think, like you said before, that's kind of the great thing is, I don't know either. Nobody knows. It's just like it just happens and we and we see what happens and we roll with the punches and, you know, they make the necessary changes. But it's it's interesting because, like, you're talking about, you know, okay, they're going to release me so I can go play sevens again. That's already been the case with a few of the guys that have come from football, right? Like, they come to yeah. the Raptors, they train for a couple of months, they get a football opportunity. Uh, there was a guy last year, Michael Bandy, who came in, was learning how to play scrum half. He played receiver at San Diego and then – you know, he was here for, I think, four months and uh, got another opportunity in, some, in the spring football league, and then he signed a deal with the L.A. Chargers. So he was returning kicks in the Chargers game a couple weeks ago – or a couple months ago, excuse me. So they, they it's funny because it's like they're dealing with a little bit of the same thing in that sense, just on, like, the different side of the spectrum. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that idea of – it's it's funny because I was talking about there how difficult it is to get in the NFL, but it's amazing that there are the opportunities for an athlete of that caliber to try their hand at rugby. And I suppose that's what's interesting is what we're fascinated with is the idea of getting in there and sticking and making it a success because we'd love to be able to talk about crossover athletes that are incredible. I mean, you're very, you know, I don't think you realize how spoiled you are being an American (laughs) and that you've got such a rich heritage of, of athletes that have competed fantastically well in in baseball and football yeah. or, or competing Deion across Sanders or Bo Jackson or something, you know. Yes, exactly. Whereas, uh, you know, we, we need to go back to the Victorian age for for true superstars that were amazing at, 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 at cricket and rugby at the same time. But <laughs> although there are a few modern exceptions, but, um, you know, it's it's becoming rarer and rarer the more hyper-specialized sports have become. Um, and we'd love to be able to say that there's a guy who's, who's cracked it at the top level in, in more than one sports. And I'll tell you what, I bet the marketing department at World Rugby would be begging for that as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I got to ask about that. Uh, and I think it's funny that uh, another thing you mentioned too, and that's something that I've learned since, you know, this whole thing started is like, I kind of just expected, you know, these football guys, because I think like that's how the program is sold. Like, hey, come try this, stay in shape, get another football opportunity to let you go. Um, a lot of times those football opportunities don't come, but even the guys that have come in, like, they love it. They love it. Like, and it's kind of fun to see because it's like, you know, I, I start playing rugby in high school, you know, on the spring, you know, in the off season of football. And it was kind of the same, like, it's just fun to see the same realization for me when I was 15, where it's like, oh, look, rugby's fun. Like, it's fun to run around and I like going to practice. And you kind of see the same thing with them. It's like they're little kids again, like, Sports are fun. I didn't have this much fun playing football. It's fun to see that, and it's fun to see them be like, okay, this is – I like doing this. This It's something I want to take seriously. This is something I want to pursue. That was something I didn't expect. I honestly expected them to be like, come in, half try, but that's not been the case at all. Yeah. Well, the end – I mean, it's – I can already hear the the Twitter responses already. I'm aware of Nate Ebner's story, and I I did a a special podcast with him for the the Times newspaper – Whilst he was trying to make his second Olympics, he didn't. He didn't quite make it. He wasn't quite, wasn't quite there physically to, to do that. But it was obviously his story is interesting, and it'll be 
I'd love to know if, how much of a unicorn he is or, or how long that lasts because um, certainly it's, he was, you know, rugby for him was something that he grew up with. Yeah. Um, whereas will we be, you know, I imagine largely what we're talking about is guys who are brand new to the sport and, mm-hmm. and having to learn on the fly and speaking to enough people that have tried to cross over from either side, it's, geez, it's difficult. And the other thing is just the different cultures because rugby is such a chaos led there are at the top end there's more and more that's pre-planned or you you play with patterns or you try and control things in a certain way but at its core with 30 different athletes on 15 phases in it's it's chaos and it's it's who blinks first or who makes the bigger mistake or where the where the gap opens up it's it's very difficult and one of the talking to people who have tried to to cross over to the nfl from a, a certainly from a a British sporting culture is one of the things that's the biggest struggle is the playbook culture is just such a, such a, an alien thing to athletes that are brought up here. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much is instinctively or, or learned skill, but just playing what you see in front of you. Um, which is why I, it, sevens is such a fascinating um, juxtaposition to a game like football, for example, where sevens is the most chaotic form of rugby <laughs> yeah. you can possibly have. Which is why well, I'll come back to the point about Nate Ebner. It's amazing, like to have a foot in both of those worlds was was brilliant. And that's, I suppose it's something we'll, we'll a few years time we'll be like, geez, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's it'll be fascinating to see what what the, what the next level is. And I suppose a large part of what it comes down to with this is is the funding model and whether new sponsorship can come in. Whether that's dependent on what competitions they play and if they go into certain competitions so it's but as we said right at the top like the question marks what makes it fun yeah who knows <laughs> you know yeah. anything is anything is possible like kevin garnett said yeah um well man I, i'm only through a couple of my questions i know you have a you have some time still is that all right okay cool yep. all right perfect so uh what kind of what was the general you know feedback and, and response you got for this piece that you wrote on the American Raptors. Cause I did go, you know, just scrolled through some of those Facebook comments on, on your main account over there. And it was, it was all the kind of stuff I've seen here, just not going to work, never going to work all this stuff. But I was just wondering like, if you heard anything that, that kind of caught your ear while, after you wrote this. I mean, that is one of the reasons why I try not to read too yeah, many comments on and Facebook. I'm, because... I'm totally against the, I know you're not supposed to do this, especially when you make content. Don't pay attention to the, the comments, but you got to peek sometimes, right? <laughs> I feel, I feel yeah, like I know. I, I'm not one of those guys that deals well with that. Actually, that's, uh, yeah, I've, I've looked at some of it and it's, there's a little bit of that. I suppose it's, it's more a bit of the, from, because, because our audience is largely from this side mm-hmm. of the world. Although, interestingly, one of the things we're seeing more and more with Rugby World, certainly online is, more and more interests from America, particularly. Um, but the A's, it, it's just interesting to see the the British or I suppose tier one nation perspective on it is one of what's the word I'm looking for? I'm hoping you edit out pauses because I'm trying to think <laughs> of the right words. But it's curiosity uh, more than anything else. It's it, it, it's a curio. It's looking at it and going, well, that's. Oh, that's a nice, cute little thing. We'll we'll see what happens. Which yeah. is, which is largely why when we cover stories like this, I hope people flick the V's to flick and say, "We'll we'll prove you wrong." I always that's why we always love the underdog. But uh, certainly, it's one of those things where it's like almost quite 
a little bit of the patronising point of view on it. So hopefully success has come from that to, to, to prove people like that wrong. But I try not to delve too much into yeah. what's being social media, but certainly conversations I've had with people, they go, geez, that's interesting. And it's, I have, for my sins, I haven't looked at it too much in detail, but I believe World Rugby have, have tried a series of trying to do this, a mm-hmm. similar thing. Yeah, with Corbis so the Raptors, Yeah, with, with Alex Corbis Hero, he's a great guy. And I'll be interested to see what the what the tale is on that one. Uh, I need to check it out, to be honest, because I haven't, uh, I've just there's been so much going on that I haven't uh, <laughs> really had a chance to look at yeah, it. Probably. But it's, but, you know, the ideas there that's why and certainly from conversations with people that i've had about the concept of the raptors you know people like yourselves who uh, who have reached out to me mm-hmm. and said well this is interesting what's what's this all about then there's an there's a enough there for, for people to go you know what and the whole reason why i was interested in it is comes back to the point we made right at the top about how people in the uk or south africa or new zealand look at American sport and culture and go, oh, if only they got all these guys. Well, here's we're, <laughs> this is the experiment going on now. This is this is exactly yeah. why. So it'll be one of those things I imagine that people will come back to and it'll be, I'd love for everyone to go, oh, that was the start of something, you know? Yeah. No, I, I it makes ter- total sense to me. Um, and I know you've talked about it quite a bit throughout the, this conversation, which I'm very much enjoying now. And thank you so much, Ian, for your time. It's been uh, really enjoyable. Um, but this is not even, you know, this is not your first foray into the world of crossover athletes. And, you know, you've talked extensively about a lot of the stuff that you've done. And, and I wanted to ask you about this this wrestling piece, because interestingly enough, there was a guy who was part of the American Raptors um, in the fall. He was kind of this the second batch of guys that have come through. Um, and when I asked him, you know, what his plans were before Christmas and, you know, what he was thinking about doing, he was like, oh, well, I'm pursuing professional wrestling. Like, this is something that has been kind of in the works for me for a little bit, and I've been training. Uh, they, they reached out to me, like, up in Connecticut. I've been training, and he's like, I, you know, I've got my agents are kind of working on that. Um, so when, when I reached out to you and you said that you'd written this thing on professional wrestling, I was like, oh, i got to check this out. And I did. I read through it yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I, I guess kind of the same question is like, how did you stumble upon, you know, that? How did you get that idea to write that story? Well, it started with about four years ago. There was a social media post somewhere where someone said. Oh, there's there's all scouts are looking for guys to, to, to get on the ladder for wrestling, which, you know, tag in which professional rugby player do you think would make a good wrestler or that kind of thing. And it was a bit of fun, and you had pros, pro players going, oh, me, oh, yeah, I'd be amazing. This is what my walk-on music would be. My finisher would be X. Yeah, yeah. And I was and I was thinking, like, I was, again, it was one of those things where I was like, that's a bit of fun, but, like, no one's digging into this. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of bubbled away in the back of the head. And then uh, a few years later, I just thought, I wonder what's happening with that. And to be fair to them, I, I went straight to the international media department at um, – WWE and just said what's the story with this and they're like we're always on the lookout for talent and it's you know it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit like squashing some play-doh into a a shaped hole for me it's like I'll fit this into the story that suits me but it makes sense because rugby athletes are particularly at the elite level are you know we know that they have engines we know that they have the physical ability to to do something we know that they're tough and whatever your view is on professional wrestling i don't think you can deny that 
these guys are tough because they're doing it time after time after mm-hmm. time after time. And if they get their technique wrong, someone can get seriously hurt. Yeah. So it's you add in all those elements and a diligent professional elite rugby player makes sense on paper. As long as they fit the age profile, then of course the other side of it is, do they have the personality mm-hmm. to do it? And that's in, in working with it and talking to guys about their development program and their scouting is there's, they find an awful lot of people that have the right physical makeup and the right sense of diligence and the right level of get, uh, grit, but they've got, you've got to be a showman as well. You've, or a yeah. show person really, you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to offer an awful lot on top of that. And it's, so I was fascinated talking to people that had tried to make the crossover kind of like the NFL actually in that, the biggest success story for a crossover from rugby in the NFL recently has been um, uh, Mylata um, at the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. who came from rugby league. Yeah. Um, albeit played at a youth level, not quite at the top top tier of of adult um, rugby league. Um, but it was the same in the NFL. There's a couple of league rugby league players from Australia and yeah. and one from the UK had, had crossed over to try and, and make it up, up the ladder at WWE. And it was just a fascinating preoccupation of going, do I know anyone that has the personality that could carry yeah. this off from Elite Rugby Union? And it's it's an interesting one because with all of these sports, and the biggest hurdle for crossover athletes in all of these is, if I cross over, would I make as good a living as I could make if I was really good in the discipline that I'm already in? Mm-hmm. And that's really why we haven't probably seen too much of it thus far is because if you've got a promising premiership rugby player who's 1920, who reckons that they could go on to have a really good career at that level, potentially could play for England one day or Ireland or Wales or Scotland or New Zealand or Australia or whatever. Do That's the kind of person that really should go over and has the biggest chance of making a success in the other sport, but they're already on yeah. a pathway. So it's, it's why when we see people that do it, we go, geez, that they just caught it at right the exact time. And I just love to be able to write about someone on the start of their journey who then just happens right. to, as we say in Scotland, hit it Bonnie, who just manages to catch <laughs> it really sweet. Um, we're, we're yet to get them, but, but that's why the idea of crossover athletes keeps fascinating me, um, is just that idea of coming back to it again and again and finding someone who being able to find that hidden gem who's suddenly not so hidden. Yeah. I think that's kind of what's enticing to me too, because it's the same thing. It's like, like when, when the whole idea of this program was announced, I felt like I hit the jackpot just in terms of like the content I could make and the stories I could tell. And that's what I do like about it. It's like, I get to talk to all these cool people all the time of like, Oh, you know, Tani, Tani Tupo was one of the guys that was here last year. This guy played in the NFL for like five years. Like he has so many different stories to talk about. Now he's coming to do this. So, um, yeah, man, it's fun. And, that, and that's the fun part about it. I got to ask, so do, have you been, like, were you a professional wrestling fan when you were uh, younger? Do you dabble in any oh, WWE? I, I don't think there's anyone of my generation uh, who who wasn't growing up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite funny is um, people, some people also say, Oh, have you not grown out of that? It's like, no, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm, I'm across it too much at the moment, but it was, it was amazing. I'll tell you what was amazing was being in Japan for the Rugby World Cup in 2019 and getting the opportunity to watch 
a mate of mine went and watched some uh, professional wrestling out in Japan as well. Yeah. And it was amazing. I was just like, wow, why do I not do this? I'll, imagine <laughs> if it was on my doorstep. I'd be here all the time. Yeah. I know. Because did you, you got to speak with Triple H for this piece, right? I mean, that was one of those where it, genuinely it was it was bizarre. <laughs> because I, I never thought in my line of work that would not an opportunity to speak to someone it's like i've seen you on tv so many yeah. times as a kid and i'm you... pretty sure i pedigree my little brother uh <laughs> off the back of watching your <laughs> don't do this at home kids obviously yeah i can't but, how much water i've spit out of my mouth i could throw my head back and <laughs> blow it up in yeah, the air like that absolutely <laughs> but uh, it's great so, but it's but uh, just from a purely selfish journalistic point of view as well as this very lucky in my profession to, to speak to professional athletes but when you get the opportunity to do what you've just mentioned there is speaking to someone who has a varied backstory something completely different and has had different world world experiences that's just the best part of the job the gig is being yeah. able to chat to i've got it's just something different you know right it's a new people and especially the being around this program it's a person from a part of the country I've never been to or I've never even thought about going to that has this, you know, I played football here, I did this. Like, it's it's really cool. Uh, there's a there's a guy I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, somebody I've gotten to know pretty pretty well these last, you know, this season, I guess. His name is Chase Stelling. He played football in uh, North Carolina somewhere, small school in North Carolina. And before I talked to you earlier, I asked him, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm talking – um, to this, the guy that wrote this that nice piece on your team a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm going to talk about professional wrestling. And I know Gerard Can, the guy I mentioned before, like he was the only one I knew that had a professional wrestling experience. But I was like, did you ever get approached about professional wrestling or like have a couple of other guys? And he was like, oh, yeah. You know, we've had quite a few guys like that have gotten approached about WWE. But he's like, it's interesting because like when you're as big as these people are and you're just like, big humans, different type of humans. He's like, if you don't make the NFL, you get put into this weird like pool where you just get endless like opportunities for these weird offshoot things. So he's like, he's like, I never got uh, approached about professional wrestling, but a lot of other guys on the team did. But he's like, a lot of guys get approached about, you know, offshoot football leagues or whatever. And he's like, but he was saying that the weirdest thing he got approached about was uh, NASCAR, like a NASCAR. They wanted him to like be on the pit crew because he's six foot five. And so he right. I was like, what would you have done? And he was like, they wanted me to either be like a Jack guy that jacks up the cars or like to be the gas man. So he's like, if I would have, you know, taken oh, the giant, yeah, taking that yeah. path, he was like, I would have been the guy that refuels the race cars because I'm tall. So I don't have to like get up on my tippy toes or anything. Like I just stand up with the gas <laughs> tank and just put it in there. And he's like, I, I considered doing it for a while. But he was like, I w- it would have been a lot. You know, you have to work your way all the way up through these little tiny, like, rinky-dink racing promotions up to NASCAR. But he's like, it's something yeah. I considered. He's like, I looked into it. It would have been fun. He said he all these, like, powerlifting and bodybuilding competitions, too, like, hit you up. But he was like, it's just interesting. Like, as soon as you're not in the NFL anymore, you don't make it. You just get put in this weird pool and all these different weird opportunities come your way. And so I was like, oh, I got to tell, I got to tell Alan this because that was i uh, I'd never heard that before. I've never heard of anybody cool. being like approached by like, oh, I'll be in my pit crew. So that's class. <laughs> I, I like that. But also by the same token, it's like, it's amazing that guys get all these wacky, wacky offers, but it's like, I'm glad that they picked my wacky offer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. He was like, now rugby, like, you know, as, as rugby emerges in the United States a little bit more, like a lot, a lot more people are getting rugby opportunities. Um, 
But I mean, it goes to show, like I've talked to Peter Pascal. I think, I believe that's who you spoke with for the piece. Yeah. Um, and, and he's just talked to me about like, you know, just kind of the metrics they look for and, and you want tall people, but he's like, the problem with that is everybody wants tall people. Like if you're tall, you just get more opportunities in this life. And um, that's what he's talked about quite a bit. So, and I guess one of those opportunities is you can refuel race cars. That, that's yeah. something I never knew. Well, before. unfortunately, as a as a five foot ten man, I'm just never going to get that opportunity to jack just, up the, the NASCAR. Just a regular sized guy. That's you know. Uh, so I had to make sure I shared that with you. Um, I already asked you about uh, Triple H. Uh, I guess the last couple of questions I had for you, Alan, before I let you go. Uh, I know you talked about this NFL piece. Uh, I'm interested in reading about that. I was wondering when we could, uh, w- when that will be available to read. That that'll be on sale in the magazine or Tuesday of next week. So that'll be in the magazine. Uh, you can get that digitally, or if you subscribe, certainly from the states, it will take it might take a while <laughs> to get a physical copy, but it, okay. it is possible. Uh, I think we do have suppliers in the states, and but but then we'll we'll put it online after a wee while as well. But yeah, that was an that was an interesting one to do, and again, it was just one of those of going. Oh, well, I mentioned it earlier, but that the idea of seeing guys who are, you know, Christian Wade is an electric talent and is a British and Irish lion, mm-hmm. and he has lit up the the Premiership with with his play and is an incredible uh, instinctive finisher. And I think a lot of people saw the video of him scoring a, an incredible touchdown in a preseason match for the Buffalo Bills and people just thought well well Christian is amazing at this so of course without understanding the layers of how difficult it is to yeah. you know you say line of scrimmage to anyone in in <laughs> the UK and most of the time they'll say pardon me what are you talking <laughs> about or you know, I, I couldn't tell you, they couldn't tell you what, well, I couldn't t- tell you what a hook route is or a, what a screen pass yeah. is or, you know, there are just so yeah, many elements that aren't. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, uh, speaking to people about it is, someone described it to me as like going back to kindergarten. Yeah. Coming from the sporting background that we have here to then going to learn, effectively learning playbook culture from scratch. Um, but it's not like this is a milk league. You know, it's you go in and it's hours a day of meetings. And if you don't know your shit, then, you know, slap on the wrist and or you're just not going to play. So it's the, I, what I wanted to do was convey just the realities of the challenge. But and also I think the sign off of the piece was something along the lines of forget $60 million contracts and playing in Super Bowls, just having someone hit and stick because we've seen rugby athletes go over and maybe play a couple of games or, or play in practice squads. Just what would be really cool would just be someone that hits and sticks and lasts as a yeah. pro like that. would be Great. I would like to see that too, because I think you're right. And, and in this, you know, in this opportunity I've have now, I have had the chance to talk to a lot of guys that, have had stints in the NFL that have played football their whole life. And uh, I think yeah. a lot of the people I've talked to have just been, it's come down to, you know, like I, they, they've said, I wasn't ready for football to be my job. And you look at some of the guys like Johnny Menzel, for instance, I listened to a podcast with him a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago. And he was saying, it's like, I just didn't like it. I don't like going in and at 6am and, and being in the building until 8pm. And they even talk about like some of the most, you know, successful, popular quarterbacks. Now I've heard people say, 
it gets to a point for them in their career where winning games and stuff doesn't it's not worth the work you put in like there's a part in your career where it flips and it's like I'm putting in you know 12 hour days and this this win on a Sunday isn't it doesn't it doesn't you know scratch that itch it does it's not worth it so it is it's a different beast and it's been it's been you know really interesting to have the chance to talk to all these different people that have you know had tastes of it yeah and I think the thing with that is is it's such an incredible achievement. I think that's what I wanted to convey. I think someone I spoke to said, statistically, you're more likely to be hit by lightning to, <laughs> to be a success in, in the NFL. And someone else said to me that, you know, it is hard and some of the days will be grueling and horrible and you'll wonder what the hell I'm doing here. But that's what makes it such a spectacle mm-hmm. because we're talking about the creme de la creme. And I, I just... I'm, it's a bit of a weird preoccupation, but I'll just I'd love to be able to to have seen someone in my lifetime that can can be such a success at, at both levels. But it's it's tough, and it's you know there's loads of fascinating writing out there about the ideas of hyper specialization and and being a generalist. And to be honest, what makes it so hard is just how specialists these sports have become yeah. and you know genuinely if we are blessed enough to see anyone that that can straddle that that up 15s uh at a rugby world cup and say screw this i'm gonna go to the NFL. i mean it would be <laughs> genuine shocking global news if that For happened sure. and was was a success because it's shocking enough when you see someone going, well, I've won a Rugby World Cup and I'm going to do do some boxing now. Yeah. And I think, like, from my perspective, again, like, for even, you know, a guy like Christian Wade to be on the Bills practice squad, like, I think that is impressive, you know. that That's somebody that hasn't played football and they're, you know, they're on us. You're on the extended roster, right? There's 13 or whatever extra spots and he has got one of them, you know, at the time. That's Well, it, there's obviously dispensations for if you come through the international player pathway, oh, yeah. but... The, the question marks around that is because the international player pathway is is protected for a couple of years, and then yeah. once that's done, we're, we're not really seen. I can't imagine too much of someone who then goes on and goes because yeah. it, one of the takeaways I got from doing the piece was is it takes more than two years to really crack sure. it, or, right. or unless you're a freak, mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's really bloody hard. So if you can hold on um, and get the opportunity to go beyond the two-year contract and maybe bounce around a couple of squads until you find the right fit for you, maybe that's great. And there's maybe, there's not quite that yet, but maybe it just, all it takes is the right coach to spot something in someone. Yeah. And then, you know, it, well, we'll see the, the, the draft is coming up. Mm-hmm. We might see some crossover athletes picked up in the draft. Uh, they might get an opportunity to get beyond, uh, it'll be fascinating, but unfortunately none of them this year will be from rugby union. So it's, we, we start again in the hunt for yeah. that. No, it's, and then it's funny, like, again, you, you keep talking about stuff I've thought about before and like, especially in football, like you've talked about playbook culture and the way that football people kind of operate is they're so like, so, so set in their ways. And it seems only recently, you know, people are, are kind of going outside the box and how they, you know, evaluate talent or what they're looking for and how they do things. And, um, this piece I've worked, I worked on, I just published in January was about incorporating more laterals that occur 
down past the line of scrimmage like you know rugby oh yeah yeah like rugby and so uh, that was a fun one I got to track down a few different coaches that would talk to me I, I talked to a couple of high school football coaches around here and then um, talked to guy that played in the NFL for a little bit obviously some some it's interesting perspective with some guys that have played in the NFL and then you know come to play rugby now um, they can kind of see both worlds and um, talk to a couple offensive coordinators and it was kind of interesting that no like I was surprised to learn nobody ruled it out and I've clipped a bunch of stuff from NFL games this year and uh, that was kind of a fun one to to pursue because it is kind of like in that same light right like they're just kind of looking outside the box looking especially now the way offenses are designed like there's ways you could use Christian Wade's, you know, skill set that he already brings over from rugby, incorporate that into a couple specialty plays, but those can win you games and those can help you score points and um, that can ultimately be a benefit to you. And I think, I think now, like the general, I you know, impression I got from that piece was that coaches are sort of coming around to it because they would say, oh, well, we wouldn't do that because of ball security, and then they would end it with. But it wouldn't be that hard if we tried. Like, we could do it. I think we could. And it's, so it's like you're, you can see the wheels start to turn, and I think maybe with that shift there might be more, you know, pull from rugby guys that already know how to do that. Yeah. Well, it's I, I hopefully conveyed the idea that what I, what I love finding in, in my job is looking for those moments when you can spot the wheels turning. Yeah. So um, I mentioned the State of the Union piece uh, I did a few years back where so I came across – to the Sevens Rugby World Cup in San Francisco uh, in 2018. And that happened to be the year that Seattle won the first ever MLR. So I, I, I popped over, uh, headed over to <laughs> Seattle to go and see, see the team there. And whilst I was there, I had the opportunity to go. And it was the day before uh, preseason training started. I went and spent a, an afternoon at the Seattle Seahawks as well to talk to them about what they'd learned from... Yeah. Uh, from rugby tackle technique and but also just speaking to some guys that I don't believe are with the with the organization anymore but speaking to some guys who'd worked in other sports about what you can learn from other sports and you'd be surprised at how little we've scratched the surface for sure of what we can find from other sports I'm actually just working on a piece just now um that I find fascinating is the idea of certain measuring of metrics in some sports that we just don't think to do in rugby union. For example, I'm endlessly fascinated by the idea of we're in, in football, you're inundated with information about how much pressure the passer is under. We love defense in, or, or defense in, <laughs> uh, in, in, rug, in, in rugby and we're, we measure X, Y, Z, but there are certain elements we don't measure. And I'm interested in that comparison and why we don't. And that's, I remember I was speaking to a coach from uh, a team in France today who was like, oh, that's a good point. We should probably look into that. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing because all, all it takes is for someone to go, what about this? And then they go, yeah, cool. That's a good point. Or so, yeah, you, you, you're onto something. And does that mean that laterals will be all the rage and that we'll see, see it 11 times a weekend? Probably not. But with the instance when yeah. you find it, you can go right well i can i can track the lineage of that and where it came from and oftentimes i imagine sometimes it's like well someone someone gave that a shot in college and it looked pretty good so the that, the guys in the big leagues gave it a go that's literally exactly what everybody i talked to said that it's <laughs> gonna yeah, be a high you school. never know you never know one of the guys from the college game could have seen it in rugby you don't yeah. know 
That's what they said. Every trend in football originates at the high school to low college level. It's going to be some low college guy that makes no money that just like we could try to do. We're not very good. Let's try this. But there is. There's situations in football games where like you throw a Hail Mary, you know, the really long pass. That's not how often is that going to hit? That's going to hit maybe 20% of the time, where if you run this lateral play, you know, you run some switches and, and you have the benefit of downfield blocking legally, which I think would make things easier. Like if you can run that and you can prove, okay, a Hail Mary works 20% of the time, we run this lateral play, it works 60% of the time. Why, there's no reason why nobody would do that. And so, well, my answer to that would be <laughs> is that certainly people, for, people in rugby get frustrated enough of, folk going for the the low risk option yeah. so i'm always going to support anyone that goes for the high risk yes. option because it's just more entertaining particularly when it comes off yeah we just need some numbers so alan i, I literally think i could talk to you all day about this stuff so the last question i'll, I'll ask before i let you go um i have a, a segment on this podcast called required reading so when i get you know obviously writers on i try to push some of their work so is there a piece that kind of sticks out that uh, we should assign for required reading so people kind of get the gist of of you and what you're all about oh well the interesting one well, there's several ways you could go with this um certainly if you're following the six nations uh, just keep keep track of what rugby world's doing and we're trying to do a lot more tactical technical stuff I mean, one of the big things for me is, is I'm a, a, a long read guy who likes going into in-depth subjects. Some of it's, some of it can be quite harrowing, but uh, certainly I think some of it's really important. And we, if you go on our website or if you find, I can even send you a link if you'd like, for the investigation section of what we do, what, what we like to do and we think we can do in more depth than a lot of other people is, is tackle a big, sub, big meaty subject with a bit of sensitivity, but in real depth. So, for example, painkiller use is a thing that's I've found fascinating for a while. And we've done some stuff on playing through the pain and the idea of not just being a piece of meat that's that's used, that's ground up by professional sport and chowing down painkillers and then getting near to the end of a career and realising you're absolutely broken. But we did a follow-up last year or the year before uh, year before um on that where i looked at that and i thought how do we bring this forward rather than just going this is a terrible thing or a potentially terrible thing what could the future hold and so i spoke to some people in the nfl and ice hockey and um other uh, other sports and other disciplines uh, about what the future of dealing with athletes in pain might be now it sounds very serious and it is uh, but we've looked at all sorts That's of other, but if, you know, investigations and, and a long reads is really what what we try and specialize in. And I find endlessly fascinating. And there's so many different applications for that. I mean, looking at alcohol use or global migration uh, or gambling or just loads and loads and loads of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of thing is, is what, what fires me up. Yeah, I say send it along. We'll put it in there. I always put the link in the article that houses the podcast well in the description and stuff. So I'm happy to put that in. That's important. That's important here too. You know, that's, that's something everybody deals with for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then Alan, I guess just uh, how do people follow you? How do people read your work? Uh, well, you can find us on rugbyworld.com. You can find the magazine uh, hopefully somewhere. Um, uh, <laughs> we can up, we get you know, off the internet, right? I still yeah, like yeah, the yeah. magazine, so. 
yeah, please please subscribe. And but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Alan Dimick, D Y M O C K. And yeah, hit me up. You know, I'm always happy to talk to people about anything because you know you never know what the next fun story is going to come from. You know, exactly. I think it might be NASCAR for you, right? NASCAR gas man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alan, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Thanks for your time. All right, I bet you never thought you'd listen to a podcast of an hour-long interview just talking about crossover athletes. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast that featured an hour-long interview just talking you know, strictly about crossover athletes, but here we are. I thought that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Uh, thank you to Alan for coming on and chatting with me for a little bit. You know, Couldn't have been more pleased with that interview. I, I'm looking forward to connecting with Alan again. We've got to make sure we find a way to get Alan involved in the podcast again because that, uh, that was electric. All right, let's go ahead and move into the required reading portion of the show. Required reading is brought to you by Gilbert. Gilbert is the official rugby equipment supplier of the American Raptors. Visit worldrugbyshop.com to grab all of your Gilbert rugby gear. If you just listen to the interview, it's not a big surprise what the required reading is. Uh, this is Alan Dimmick's piece entitled Playing Through the Pain, an Investigation into Painkiller Use in Rugby. Um, that's on rugbyworld.com, of course. But a uh, pretty serious piece. You know, it's a, it's a big problem that exists not just in rugby but in every other sport, and I'm sure everyone is familiar with somebody who's had, you know, a little bit of experience with this, especially if you played sports. It's an important topic, and uh, I'm glad that Alan recommended it, so I'd recommend that everybody checks it out. I'll link the article in the article that houses this podcast, of course, as well as in the description of the podcast, so it'll be nice and easy to find. Uh, make sure you go and check that out. New segment. We got a new segment here. It's called Stat of the Week. Stat of the Week is brought to you by Catapult. Catapult is committed to making performance technology available to athletes at all levels, whether it's the biggest teams and organization in world sport or amateur soccer players. Catapult helps monitor performance like the pros. For more information, visit catapultsports.com. So this segment kind of put my brain in a blender a little bit because, you know, as I'm going through these stats, trying to find some fun stats, I'm going to be honest, you know, it just might turn into fun facts because I think what I've learned today is that a fun fact doesn't necessarily have to be a stat and a stat isn't necessarily a fun fact but a fun fact can t contain a stat if that makes sense uh, so I got two for you and one of them kind of came up naturally before I even knew I was doing this segment um, but I was having lunch with one of the Raptors on Wednesday and I asked him know how much he eats a day because that's a question usually like a little peek behind the curtain here when I'm doing mic checks best way to just get you know make sure levels are good and everything um, is just ask somebody what they had for breakfast I get some talking and a lot of the times you can probably imagine I'm talking to these rugby guys uh, their breakfasts are huge I remember talking to Michael Bandy doing a mic check with Bandy at one point and he said that he was eating like six eggs a day like for breakfast that's insane I don't eat six eggs a week I don't think uh, so, you know, I was asking this person, you know, how much they eat a day? And he was saying, no, not enough because kind of losing some weight. Um, and, I, and I was just, you know, well, why are you losing so much weight? And he was saying that they're burning 8,000 calories a day in preseason training right now. Like by the time they, you know, take their Apple Watches off or whatever at the end of the day, it's 8,000 calories that they've burned. That is nuts. I, I was taken aback by that. I couldn't believe that. That's, I don't know if I do that in a week and maybe that's bad. Like I said at the the wintergreen read, I'm I'm trying to do you know be more active, but that's insane. Man. So that's the first stat of the week. And if that doesn't do it for everybody, if that's not good enough for you, um, I found this one on Bleacher Report from like six years ago. 
on it says from a complete stop a human is capable of outrunning a formula one race car for about 30 feet so you get like a 30 feet head start and then of course you lose um and i think that's a good idea you know that's a good example of what i was just talking about is that a that's a fun fact but it, it contains a stat right and is the one i told you about you know burning eight thousand calories a day is that a stat that's kind of a stat is that or is that just a plain fun fact i don't know it's something i never thought about as I was going through trying to write this show this week, that was uh, something that kind of put my, my brain in a pretzel a little bit. So uh, stat of the week, that'll be something moving forward. Shout out to Catapult. Um, obviously, once the Raptors start playing, it'll be probably will be a little bit more Raptors focused, but I want to mix in some fun ones as well. So uh, if you got one that you think fits the, the category, stat of the week could be a fun fact that contains a stat. I'm all, I'm all ears. Send it my way. We'll go ahead and close the show at The Loop, brought to you by First Bank. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. So keep your eyes peeled for that Line Law 2 story that I talked about last week here. In the next couple of weeks, I'm still working on it. I want to make sure I tell it right. Uh, Make sure you're reading my MLR grab bags that I post on Monday afternoons. As long as it's not a long weekend, then it might get posted on Tuesday afternoon. Um, but I've been, it's been fun writing those. I've been trying to highlight some more of the fun stuff or just, you know, get some takes off, get some things I think about the league or the matches that weekend in particular off. Uh, it's been fun to write about. If you think I miss anything, you want me to dig into anything again, send it my way. Um, and again, I've got an awesome guest lined up for the show next week. Best way to get in touch with me, best way to keep up with everything we've got going on at DNVR Rugby is by following along on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby at Colton Strickler. That's a show for the week, everybody. Um, hope you're enjoying a little bit of the new stuff. Uh, thank you, everybody who listened. You wouldn't know if you're enjoying any of the new stuff if you didn't listen. I hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy all of the matches this weekend. I will catch you all back here next week. 